and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I am super excited to welcome to the show keynote speaker, best-selling author, leader, and former fighter pilot, retired U.S. Air Force colonel, wife and mum to two boys, Kim Casey Campbell. Kim knew, starting all the way back in middle middle school when a teacher told her, it's good enough for a girl that she didn't want to be just good enough at anything. At the time, the, the career path she planned to take as a fighter pilot had limits for women and she knew it'd be a tough road to get there. But thankfully, she had that fire lit under her that guided her exactly where she was meant to be, a powerhouse woman in a male-dominated industry who earned herself the nickname Killer Chick. Now, Kim Campbell is a retired Air Force colonel who served in the, the US Air Force for over 24 years as a fighter pilot and senior military leader. She has flown 1,800 hours in the A-10 Warthog, including more than 100 combat missions protecting troops on the ground in both Iraq and Afghanistan. In 2003, Kim was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for Heroism after successfully recovering her battle-damaged airplane after an intense close air support mission in Baghdad. As a senior military leader, Kim has led hundreds of airmen, both at home and abroad in deployed locations, and enable them to succeed in their missions. She has experience leading complex organizations and driving cultural change. Kim knows what it takes to be a successful leader, to inspire and empower high performance teams to achieve success. Kim is passionate about leadership and feels strongly that leaders earn trust by leading with courage and connecting with their team. Additionally, Kim is a recently published author whose book, Flying in the Face of Fear, a Fighter Pilot's Lessons on Leading with Courage has had rave reviews, including this one by Dan Clark, Hall of Fame speaker and author of The Art of Significance, who wrote, This is a must-read motivational masterpiece and behavioral Bible for every entrepreneur, business owner, corporate executive, sports team coach, military leader, and civic influencer in the world. And just for the uh, audio-only audience, I'm holding up a copy of the book, which I have to say is a, a leadership manual for the 21st century, in my opinion. I absolutely loved it and probably be waxing lyrical about it for some time to come. What an incredible mission. And I think it's fair to say that Kim is definitely leading the way with inspiration. So without further ado, let's meet Colonel Kim Campbell. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really honoured and privileged. Uh, you are my uh, my my second um, military veteran to have on the show after um, Dr. Amy Vertrees, whose episode I think you you listened to. She was a um, an army surgeon, um, but you are my my first purely um, military um, veteran. So thank you so much. This is a huge huge honour. Um, fantastic. So I I, I read out um, you know uh, part of your bio and part of bit, bits and bobs that I I found myself there. 
Um, but would you mind telling the audience um, in your own words, please, a bit more about yourself, including what you're currently working on um, and what leadership roles you currently have or have held in the past, please? Yeah, absolutely. I actually just retired from the Air Force. I keep saying just retired. I'm almost at two years now, but uh, after spending <laughs> 24 years in the Air Force, it feels like I just retired. Uh, I uh, started out my career as a fighter pilot, uh, but went on to take on different leadership positions. My very first one was as a squadron commander responsible for about 150 military and civilian personnel, and then went on to be a group commander, which is now responsible for about 1,000 military and civilian personnel. Uh, I also finished out my career teaching at the Air Force Academy as an instructor, and then also serving as the director for the Center for Character and Leadership Development. Uh, so my career has kind of spanned this very tactical level, focusing on flying airplanes, leading in the, the in the air as well, but then also getting more towards that operational and then even uh, strategic picture of leading small to large teams. So uh, really incredible opportunities throughout my career. Uh, I learned a tremendous amount, and that's really what led me to this next chapter, this next phase of my life, if you will, um, as I transitioned out of the military really focused on how can I share those lessons that I learned? How can I help shape this next generation of leaders, uh, provide leaders you know, that are maybe more experienced a new perspective? And so now I'm doing keynote speaking, just wrote the book um, and doing mm. some executive coaching as well. Fantastic, that's uh, incredible. Um... What experience. And, you know, as I say, um, if people read the book, they will be able to see the incredible um, experiences you've been through, you know, um, but on, on active duty and and otherwise, and see the, the kind of real day to day um, leadership, you know, pragmatic leadership applications of of those situations. Um, and I love the way that every every chapter you you end with considerations for leaders. And there's a, a kind of, you know, uh, several bullet points of things that you know we could we could think about consider uh as to as to how to improve our leadership and 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 you know e each of the sort of 12 chapters has has those and i think they are absolutely worth their weight in gold so thank you so much for that uh yeah you know it's it's interesting you know in writing the book i realized that most people that read the book are going to have no military experience or, you know, maybe they've had a family member or somebody that served, but a lot of people haven't served and that's okay. The point of the stories is to share the key leadership lessons. It, it's, um, you know, to have the story to kind of grasp and see it and feel it. And then to have the summary of lessons. I don't want anybody to necessarily have to go through some of the things that I went through, <laughs> but I love to pull those lessons out to share them with others. And so that's really the idea behind the book. Yeah. Yeah, no, really, really valuable, honestly, and and uh, you know, I can I can testify that you don't need to know anything about the military. My 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 ninety seven year old grandfather, he was like an able bodied seaman during during World War Two. You know, um, he was not, you know, he was not a commissioned officer or anything like that. So, uh, I have I have very uh, very minimal military knowledge, and I I could I could get it. So, um, thanks so much. So, you know, in the um. The leadership roles that you had in the US Air Force and when you, you know, kind of like leading uh, teams and, and then, uh, you know, kind of working strategically and then kind of like heading up the um, the Center for Character and Leadership and so on. Uh, and now um, that you're doing, uh, you know, kind of more of your your own thing, what's your personal leadership style and, and, and has it has it evolved over these through, through all these roles? 
It's definitely evolved. Uh, yeah. But I think my style, I, you know, I don't know that I characterize it specifically in one way, but yeah. I think it's this blend really of strength and warmth or warmth and strength. Yeah. I I do believe that you do have to be credible as a leader, right? You have to be able to show people and set the example and be credible in what you do. But I also very much believe in this power of human connection and connecting with people yeah. on a very personal level and and getting to know them and showing kindness and compassion and caring yeah. for people on your team. So I, I really do think it's a balance. Um, I recently taught a course on leadership and security uh, with students from around the world. And they asked me if I had to choose one over the other, you know, would I want to be feared or loved? Would I want to show strength or warmth? And I just really struggled with the question because I found that I, I don't want to be at either side of the spectrum. I want to be yeah. somewhere in the middle and pull from each side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And no, no, thank you so much for um, for that answer. And, you know, of, oftentimes my my guests will say, you know, yeah, well, I, I'm a, I, I am a, I am a blend. And, you know, we all, I think, appreciate that you need a different leadership style de depending on the situation that you're being faced with and depending on the people that you're kind of working with and, you know, sometimes even dare I say it, we do need to be in that authoritarian leadership role, you know, briefly, um, as long as we kind of move out into that more kind of more, more positive style. Um, and when you talk about um, credibility, you're talking more about the kind of the, the competence, uh, you know, being a competent leader, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, I think, you know, I started out my career as a fighter pilot and I was one of the only women in my community uh, to start out with. I mean, when I went into my very first fighter squadron, I was the only female fighter pilot. There were other women in the unit, but they were in support functions. And I really went in there knowing that I had to prove myself, that I had to yeah. be credible, that I had to work really yeah. hard. And so I think that for me was the starting point was that credibility. Yeah. Um, but that only gets you so far, right? That yeah, that may be, yeah. you can be credibility and competent in your profession, but if you're going to yeah. be a leader, you've, you've got to be able to expand beyond that. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, it, it did evolve over time. I think I went into my first leadership role as when I was going to be a squadron commander, and this was about 150 people. And I had this idea that, you know, I had, at this point, I had been in combat. I was this combat proven fighter pilot. I had this idea of like almost a tough exterior, you know, I had to, mm. I was, you know, proven fighter pilot. I need to be tough. I need to yeah. show them that I have the answers, that I know how to do things. And the reality is that's not what my team wanted at all, right? They wanted yeah. to see me for who I was. They wanted this authentic yeah. leader that could connect with them. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I learned that pretty early on uh, when my uh, we do a what we call a change of command ceremony before we take command. It's a it's a big yeah. formal ceremony. It's family and friends, and a lot of people come in from the base and local city officials. Uh, and my family was sitting in the front row. My husband and my three year old son at the time, and I'm up mm. on stage again, very formal. I've got my new boss. There's an A10 warthog in the background. And about 15 minutes into the ceremony, my son, I can tell, I look at him and he's just bored out of his mind. He wants nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> and I, so I just, you know, I do, I kind of give him that smile and he looks at me and then he just stands up and he takes a few steps and I'm starting to get nervous now. I'm like, what is he doing? He takes a few <laughs> more steps and I look at my husband and we're trying to do this like silent communication thing now. And I'm looking at my husband saying, I think you should do something. And he's looking at me going, I'm not doing anything because we could potentially have this 
full-blown meltdown right here just in front yeah. of everybody yeah my son doesn't care he's now just he's moving very slowly like he thinks he's invisible because he's moving so slowly he's just taking these small <laughs> steps towards the stage and i'm hopeful that he's just gonna sit like on the stairs leading up to the stage he finally just walks right up and then hops up right in my lap in the middle of this very formal ceremony and here you know here i am thinking i'm supposed to be this tough proven combat leader but now I'm, you know, I've got my three-year-old son sitting in my lap. And I realize in that moment, like, you know what? I need to let my team see me for who I am, right? I'm yeah. a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a fighter pilot, and I'm leader. I'm all of these yeah. things. Yeah. It turns out that moment with my son on my lap connected me with my team way more than anything else ever would have. It was the highlight yeah. of the ceremony for so many of them because it made me human, right? It showed yeah. this other side of me. And so that's where I really, I mean, the fact that my three-year-old son taught me that, the fact that that happened so early in my career was such mm. a blessing because I got to see really that it's not about just strength, right? It is yeah. this balance of warmth. Um, and, yeah. you know, that was a journey for me. And I it really, yeah. I took those lessons that I learned early and carried them with me throughout my career. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I know you're, uh, you're, you're quite a big fan of Brene Brown as well, aren't you? One of her quotes is um, at the start of one of your chapters. So you kind of, you know, really the, the kind of the human centered um, kind of compassionate relational side to you is the authentic, vulnerable kind of leader. Is that, is that right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. this idea that you can be a very strong leader yeah. and you can be compassionate at the same yeah. time, right? You can be tough on your people, but you yeah. can do it in a kind way. And I think it's just a balance. I think mm -hmm. if you're too far on one side or the other, I yeah. think if you're too far on one side, potentially people will take advantage of you. If you're too far on the other, potentially you've got this, you know, exhibit stre strength and credibility. But yeah. when you don't have the connection with your team, it's really hard to have trust. It's hard to yeah. create an environment where people are kind of willing to try new things, to get outside their comfort zone, to provide yeah. feedback. So I really yeah. do think it's a balance. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, the, the next question is, can you tell us um, about your journey to leadership? I mean, you know, in, in, in the military, like in like in medicine, it's it's hierarchical. And, you know, if you kind of, you know, hit those competencies or whatever, you know, you will you will kind of move along. Um, you able to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. You know, I, we start out uh, as pilots where we yeah. just, we follow the rules, right? We we're supposed to be on the radio. We're supposed to be in position and providing roles and responsibilities. So it's really just a follower role. And once we've proved that we can do that, then we step up to a leadership role, leading a flight, potentially being an instructor. Uh, and then once you've kind of proven yourself as a pilot and they're competent, uh, and and people are confident in you that of your competence and capability. Mm. Now we can start adding these other leadership positions, but you have to be able to prove yourself in the airplane first before they really yeah. add anything else on. Uh, so for me, I was able to do that uh, very early in my career, kind of work my way up uh, mm. in the flying world, uh, and then was able to take on some additional positions. Uh, and in each time was I started out as a responsible for about seven people. And I'm I'm still learning the roles of leadership and how to ask questions and how to connect with people. And once, you know, that works out, then they'll move you up to different positions uh, mm -hmm. with more and more people that you're responsible for. So, you know, again, it's kind of going from this small tactical level 
responsible for people within the unit. And then it moves up and up. And, and really for me, I realized each time I was learning something new, each time I was realizing how to connect with people, how to work with people, mm. realizing who on my team I could talk to when I didn't know the answer. Uh, mm. Well, listening to them anyway, even if I yeah. thought I did, it was just trying to find that expertise and bring it in to learn mm. from them. Uh, so it's really, it is a bit hierarchical. It's the military. Uh, and mm -hmm. so we do follow a very, uh, I would say, planned structure of yeah. how we move up in those leadership roles. But it is about performance. If you can't perform at this level, they're not going to, at, at a kind of an intermediate level, they're not going to bring you to that that high level of leadership. So each yeah. time for me was lessons and learning along the way, taking what I could and then applying it to that next leadership role. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really interesting. It sounds like you... You have to prove yourself as a leader of your team before you can get to the next stage. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. you know that they'll give you the the smaller level leadership role, yeah. see how you do, yeah. uh, and they're really looking for you to to you know. Sometimes, like I will tell you, in, the, in some of those leadership positions, I felt almost unqualified. Like I wasn't ready. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I think sometimes we get put in these positions and we doubt ourselves. We think maybe yeah. we don't have the skills to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I honestly, I felt that throughout my career, even as a, a senior military leader, even as a colonel with significant amount of leadership positions, I have been put in positions where it's like, am I really the right person for this? You know, I, yeah. I have that sense yeah. of doubt. And yeah. what I've realized is that well, I was chosen for the position. So people yeah. believe in me. If they have confidence in me, I probably need to have some confidence yeah. in myself too. But what I've also realized is that it's, again, we don't have to do this all on our own, right? I, I yeah. learned to reach out to people that held the position before me. I learned right. to ask for help from my peers, to talk to yeah. my boss and find out what are the roles, what are the responsibilities, what are the expectations, yeah. uh, to read and review any after action reports or lessons learned about the position. And in doing all of that, I put in all this preparation, yeah. I put all the work in, and then I felt more confident in the position. Yeah. But I think, you know, every now yeah. and then, I are you ever really ready? I don't know, maybe yeah. you are, but if there's always that little bit of doubt, you know, a, can we perform at that, at a level high enough? Yeah. And it's just a constant reminder for me. We don't have to do it on our own. We can reach out yeah. and gather information, get help. But it's also a reminder that you have to put in the work. If you're yeah. going to take on these leadership roles, you have to put in the work to be ready for them. Yeah. 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 No, it sounds like a lot of like like all professionals, you know, kind of have a the bit of imposter syndrome, you know, to to kind of start with. But as 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 you say, I think, you know. You reminded yourself that other people had the faith in you, other people had the confidence in you. So that kind of helps, you know, reassure uh, to an extent, doesn't it? And then what's really good is the reaching out to people who were your immediate seniors who've just kind of been in that role, maybe, um, yeah. and, and can kind of teach you. I, I think what what struck me is the difference there between, um, you know, the, the US Air Force, and I don't know if it's the same throughout all the other branches of the US military or even military across the world, and and medicine in that you you have to prove yourself to be a a a leader of people to get to the next stage whereas in in medicine it's you have to prove yourself to be competent clinically to get to the next stage so you have people at the top of the tree in medicine who are outstanding physicians and surgeons and and, and you know and, and family doctors and psychiatrists who have got to the top without any kind of um measure of their 
people leadership ability having been made and they can be not very good leaders at the top so yeah yeah and i that probably happens in every profession i think there's yeah. probably you know every now and then there's some of that in the military as well mm. i think you know and and then i believe it is on the individual to recognize some of their limitations some of their mm. weaknesses um yeah. it's you know and and then put in the work uh you know yeah. seeking out a coach uh again reaching out to peers finding out yeah. okay now you're in this position you've proved yourself clinically you're competent you're capable mm. but now how do you now take on this leadership role that probably is a little bit uncomfortable it's something new yeah. and different and so how do you how do you best take on that role and and part of that is reaching out for help find yeah. find leaders who have been there and done it find mentors yeah. uh seek coaches I, I think it's really on the individual ideally it would be on the boss to help mentor them and guide them before they got yeah. to that position but it, you know, we know it doesn't always happen yeah absolutely and I think you've uh, you segued us beautifully into the um, the next question because you've alluded to this a couple of times already. But you know, were there any people? And I, I know the answer to this, but if you could perhaps elaborate, you know, senior to you, female or male, that kind of helped you on your leadership journey and helped you rise. It's an interesting question, I think, because I've had a lot of different people. I wouldn't say there was always one person that was mm. other than my parents. Uh, certainly, mm. I think my parents have played a really significant role throughout my life. My mom uh, was an oncology nurse. My dad uh, had been in the Air Force and went on to be a lawyer. And they they were there for me all the way through. Um, yeah. You know, they still are, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, they really mm -hmm. have been by my side for support and advice. But from a, a work perspective, mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't say there was one person, but I did mm -hmm. have people that believed in me and supported me along the way, um, yeah. which is definitely reassuring as a, as a young yeah. woman going into a very male-dominated environment. Um, mm -hmm. And I think part of that was they saw that I was credible and capable in the airplane and, you know, at that point they're willing to, they want to see how I do and how I perform. And, and they had my back, um, mm. you know, certainly in some really difficult situations. So, mm. uh, not one person, you know, not one strong mentor throughout my, my career, but certainly mm. lots of different leaders, uh, who mm. stepped in to provide advice and mentoring and support throughout the years. Yeah. Were they, were they all men, um, seniors over, over the years or were there, were there any women? Uh, uh, for the most part, they were men, but uh, yeah. I finally did have a female role model, uh, mentor yeah. and boss. Uh, yeah. Later in my career, uh, I took on a position as the military assistant to the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. Those are a lot of words. Uh, <laughs> but essentially what that means is in the office of the Secretary of Defense, uh, mm. there's different people responsible for varying positions and my boss was mm. responsible for policy. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking at the very high levels of government, uh, meetings yeah. with the president, our National Security Council. Uh, and she was a very strong woman, very credible, capable. And she was my first female boss, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and this is very late in my career. And mm -hmm. uh, seeing her handle that position, be very credible, capable and strong, but also show that caring, compassionate side. Uh, mm -hmm. She had two uh, high school girls. Uh, they were twins and watching her kind of work through the work-life balance issues. Yeah. And then also her giving me some grace as her military assistant and recognizing that at the time I was, uh, a, I was a, I would say a single mom because my husband was deployed to Afghanistan for the yeah. year. 
And she really, um, despite having some things going on at home that I had to work, uh, work out, she was there to support me and encourage me. And, uh, it was nice to, nice to see that from a very strong woman at very high levels in our government. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just different people in different phases of my life that have been able to, that I've tried to learn from, uh, I think our younger generation is doing a lot better job at really seeking out mentors and seeking out coaches. Uh, I think it's now this permissive environment where people feel like that's a really normal, natural thing to do. So I'm glad to see that change. Yeah. Yeah. That's she sounds um, really inspiring as, as I'm sure, you know, um, most of your, your bosses were, Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, now, now there are, there are people like you say, the next generation is, uh, you know, maybe maybe they're a bit more proactive and a bit more progressive. But I think they have, you know, especially the the younger women, they have more female, strong female role models than you than you had in your generation. And I was talking to my my wife about this earlier, you know, and she's a an, an attending um, maxillofacial surgeon, and you know, and she's a British Pakistani, a woman of color, you know, so, so breaking into surgery as a woman is hard enough, but being a woman of color, you know, and uh, she had, you know, zero role models. And now she is someone that, you know, those sort of 16 year old British Pakistani Muslim girls who maybe want to be surgeons can look to someone like my wife and say, yeah, well, now I, now it's visible. I know that I can be it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because early in my career, um I <laughs> I had zero interest in talking about it. I just wanted to blend in and fit in with the guys in my squadron. I didn't want to mm. be singled out for being a female fighter pilot. Yeah. And um I had a young uh public affairs officer one day after I'd turned down a few different interviews. Uh, I said, I just, I want to be left alone. And she said, you know, you could actually make a difference in the lives of young women and girls if you said yes to these interviews so that they could see it and they could hear it. And that was just this eye-opening moment of you're right. You know, it's not about me. It's about them. Uh, And that shifted my focus on sharing the stories. I realized how important it was to talk about my experience, to share my lessons learned, to help, you know, help others develop and grow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you're, if you're ha- happy to talk about any of these, uh, were there any kind of challenges that you, you faced on, on your journey and, um, you know, obviously, you know, bearing in mind, uh, confidentiality and so on, but, uh, um, if you're, if you're able to give us an example or two, how did you cope with and move, move past these challenges in your career? Uh, I faced many challenges throughout my career. <laughs> I'm sure. For sure. I think um, from a being the only woman challenge, I think a lot of it was pressure that I put on myself. I felt like yeah. if I made a mistake, if I failed at something, then I would ruin it. These are my words, but I would ruin it for the women that followed me. And so I, I yeah. put that pressure. I mean, I put that challenge on myself. And what I realized is that any new wingman, any new person any new individual in a unit likely has to prove themselves. I mean, I would say, I would guess that, you know, anyone in a new organization, people are kind of watching. Can you do mm-hmm. it? Can you handle yeah. it? What do you like? Uh, and I think what I realized is that um, people were just watching to see how I would do. I think it was also this difference of having a woman around where there hadn't been one before. I had a very senior leader at one point say, 
I don't really know what it's like to fly with a woman. I, I don't really know what to do. And it was, you know, me saying as this young wingman, this new pilot saying, well, sir, I think it's going to be okay. Uh, I might sound a little different on the radio, but other than that, uh, the jet doesn't know the difference. And I think <laughs> I almost had to set the example of like, it's going to be fine. Like I, I'm yeah. going to sound different. I might look a little different, but other than that, yeah. uh, I can fly the airplane just like everyone else. So I think yeah. that, you know, those were some of the unique challenges. But what I also realized is that I had really proven myself as an Air Force Academy cadet. So in my college, before I got to pilot training, um, yeah. and even during pilot training, I had proved myself. So coming into this new unit, there are a lot of guys in the unit, a lot of the other men already knew who I was. They had seen me perform as a as an Air Force Academy cadet. Some of them had seen me perform as a pilot at pilot mm -hmm. training. So I, I really felt welcomed walking into the unit. I felt like I was part of the team, despite the pressure I put on myself. Um, and I really had a very positive experience. I mean, I look at those guys like my brothers. Um, we very quickly deployed uh, to combat after I showed up. And I think there's something about going through a tough experience for us that mm. was combat in both Afghanistan and Iraq that mm. brought us together as a team. And I was able to prove myself in combat on some very difficult missions. And I think that just for me allowed me to move throughout my career a play, in a place where I was respected for what I had done. Uh, yeah. So I would say overall, I really, I had a very positive experience. One I look back on very fondly of, of just having, feeling that sense of support and teamwork um, yeah. from my team. Yeah. That's so nice to hear, um, you know, genuinely, um, you know, if <laughs> It almost sounds like that kind of, you know, your 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 senior officer who was, uh, you know, sort of saying, well, well how's it going to be different kind of flying with a um, with a female pilot? You know, was, you know, uh, I don't know how you would you know, kind of think of it uh, these days, but but then it was maybe like, oh, it's just like a kind of. Not not fear of the unknown, but just a bit apprehensive, yeah. you know, a bit like a yeah. kind of an old an old uncle who is, you know, is a little bit kind of not not really sure and needs a bit of yeah. uh, reassurance. Yeah. And that's what I found, right? A lot of times yeah. the older generation, the people that had been around the longest that, you know, were there was more this uncertainty, this unknown, and they weren't yeah. really sure what to expect. And then the the younger generation was like, ah, this is not a big deal. And I, I find that a lot nowadays, too, that. Yeah. Uh, the younger generation really doesn't have any problem with it. It's the older yeah. generation that's like, I don't know about this. We've done it this way for so long. Why would we change? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, it's been it. It worked. It worked out. It's yeah. uh, it's just it's a change, and it's change is hard for people. Uh, and whatever I could do to help move them through that change and show them that it was really for the positive was something yeah. that I really worked hard at. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it sounds like your experience, you know, that any any kind of, res, you know, resistance was more, as you say, uncertainty, and it was quite benign, you know, whereas, you know, some of my guests, um, as you, you may have heard, you know, in, in medicine, especially have faced a lot of quite hard misogyny and discrimination on on the grounds of their gender and and race and uh, and so on so uh, I'm, I'm i'm pleased to 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 hear your experiences were so positive that's really nice um yeah, and i understand right that it doesn't uh, we still i don't want to um i'd like to acknowledge i guess by saying that i think i know that 
my situation doesn't mirror what a lot of, you know, it, it's my, yeah. simply my situation. And I yeah. know there have been struggles in other units and yeah. with uh, other women. So I don't want to make it seem like that per se, but I, I do feel like for me, the story that I share is a positive one while recognizing yeah. that not all women were able to have that experience. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing you and interested in your experiences. And so that's really nice to hear. I'm, I would never, uh, <laughs> I would never kind of gloss over the fact that every organization, yeah. medium, medium to large organization has workplace bullying. It has discrimination. It has harassment. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, really, really good to hear that, uh, you know, that, and, and, and it, you know, I guess it made you the, the person that you are now and got, got you where you are now. So that's really good um i mean do you um do you have any advice for the listeners on on how to um navigate any of you know kind of slightly more challenging um difficulties or um you know how how to kind of despite that still kind of carry on and become a strong and kind leader well i think you know i, I mentioned it a couple of times i think starting out by being credible for me yeah. is you know that that's kind of the number one starting point yeah. but i also think it's about finding your um finding your advocates either within your organization or outside mm -hmm. at some point we all want to feel like somebody is on our side and on our team yeah. uh, somebody has our back somebody is looking out for us and i think if you can find that on your team to find your champions the people that will advocate for you yeah. i realize you know throughout my career um it's much harder at least for me it was harder for me to like step up for myself. Like if there was ever anything that was uncomfortable or somebody maybe said something that wasn't completely appropriate, it's hard to be, especially when you're one of the only women to kind of step up and say, Hey, that crossed the line. I learned to do it over time because I recognized that the guys in my unit wanted to know when they had crossed the line or said something yeah. that was inappropriate, but it was so much easier when another one of the pilots would say, Hey, knock that off. Like, that's not okay. Like it just to find your advocates, advocates, yep. to find those champions, the people that will have your back. Um, that, that is always nice. The other thing I would say is that sometimes our support network is going to be outside of our units and outside of our organizations. Um, yeah. We had an organization of, of female pilots who could talk to each other about whatever it was, motherhood or, you know, just dealing with challenges in the workplace that was separate, right? These are people, it's kind of a safe place to go of people yeah. that have a similar experience. So I think I would say that's also important. I initially kind of shied away from that, but I yeah. realized how much value uh, it added by being able yeah. to share kind of what you're going through, what you're thinking and trying to figure out how to deal with it all. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I would say is like, uh, I think often we're very hard on ourselves. And if we can just yeah. give ourselves a little bit of grace, knowing that yeah. it's not always going to go perfectly, it's not always going to go as planned. And in these moments when we're faced with challenge and adversity, can we give ourselves that grace? Can we give ourselves, just be kind to ourselves uh, and, and try to take it all in stride and, and learn from it. Um, and then, you know, find, find our support network. I think those are probably the biggest things for me anyway. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. So, uh, yeah, what I'm hearing is kind of three, three main, main points to, uh, to, towards sort of, you know, becoming a strong and kind leader and, and being able to deal with challenges are to, to have some allies within your team, um, allies, advocates, um, you know, whatever, um, to have a support network outside of your team. 
um, and maybe even outside of your organization um, and to just display that often elusive self-kindness, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, um, all of those things. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's really when you're dealing with challenges, when yeah. you're dealing with adversity in your organization, yeah. then how do you go about that? How do you, you know, how can you overcome those things? I mean, I think in terms of becoming a strong and kind leader, specifically, obviously, that credibility, that capability, working hard, putting in the preparation is key. Yeah. Uh, and then the kindness, I think, flows from having that human connection, um, having yeah. the courage to to connect and talk with people on an individual level. It means getting out and walking around and, and talking to people. It's, yeah. it is about um, how do you yeah. connect with people on, and, and get to know them and find out yeah. what they value, where they struggle um, and, and really just connecting with people on that human level. And that creates yeah. connection that creates trust. Um, so yeah. I do think, you know, there's, there are two parts of that, of that building that strength, yeah. uh, putting in the work, being yeah. very prepared practicing, thinking about the things that could go wrong and also connecting with people on that very human level. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Love that. Thank you. Thanks so much for that. I'm just, I'm just interested, you know, you had a, you've had a, a, a long journey um, in the Air Force and you, you said it earlier on that your leadership style has kind of evolved. Um, do you think you were a, a, a strong and kind leader um, kind of, simultaneously or were you a strong leader first and uh, or a kind leader first is it something that happened was there a was there a light bulb moment through your career or have you always been kind of a good leader because some people are naturally good leaders yeah. you know very very few people um or, or was there some kind of you know you know switch that flicked at some some situation that happened to you and you're like this is how I need to you know to to conduct myself as a leader what what was the story well, I think initially it was this, it was not, uh, it was more of like where I focused my efforts, I would say. Yeah. I think initially I focused on being this strong leader. I felt like I had to have the answers. Like people yeah, were looking yeah. to me for my guidance. I, I had yeah. to know it all. I had, you know, yeah. had to make strong decisions and feel strong in my decisions. And yeah. I think, you know, my son getting up on my lap and in that yeah. change of command ceremony, I would say yeah. was probably a bit of a light bulb moment in terms yeah. of the after the aftermath of that, if you will, yeah. you know, in the next yeah. day, just walking around and talking to people and realizing how much that connected with people to yeah. show that human side, to be vulnerable yeah. in front of my team. Yeah. And to me, that was a little bit of a turning point, but in that leadership role, you know, granted that was day one. Yeah. So I, I really feel like I just kind of, uh, leaned into that idea of, yeah. okay, they like this, this worked, yeah. people are connecting, they're talking to me, they're sharing their ideas with me, they're sharing their own concerns with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I did, I won't say that I like always been a good leader. It's just evolved over time. I've kind of realized what's worked. And then yeah. when I became a leader of a thousand people, you know, now some of those things, now it's a little bit harder because there's yeah. so many people and how do I connect with them? Yeah. But I really just tried to take some of those same lessons. Um, I would spend time, you know, my units were separated throughout the world yeah. and very different diverse missions. And so anytime I would go to visit them, I would just take the time to talk to people, just yeah. really break it down. I mean, we might have some group sessions, but really I found that the most valuable time was just time walking around and talking to people, learning from them in their own spaces, and then also mm. letting them show me what they do, right? I yeah. 
I did not have the expertise that everybody on my team had. I mean, I had yeah. civil engineers, I had doctors, I had lawyers, and I, I can't pretend to know what they do. I'm going to yeah. be interested and I'm going to learn mm. about what they do, but I can't take their role. Yeah. And I really just tried to learn from them and let them teach me, you know, let yeah. them show yeah. me what they do. And I think those things, I, I realized the more I did that, the more connection it built, you know, the more people were willing to work hard and put in the effort because they found value in what we were doing, yeah. uh, sharing them the kind of the why behind what they, what we were doing. And I think, you know, just this idea of being a vulnerable leader, leader and showing a little bit about you talking through your decision-making pro process and sharing with people kind of why you're making decisions. I think all mm -hmm. of that really over time evolved. So maybe yeah. if I were to pick one light bulb moment, it would be my son getting up on my lap and kind of yeah. showing me like, Hey, be authentic and true to who you are. And people actually yeah. react well to that. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. So very much kind of relational leadership and it starts what i'm hearing is it kind of starts with you know being visible being accessible um connecting with your your team with warmth and humility as you say letting them teach you about things that they do and and uh yeah that, that's fantastic thank you so much um so uh we're, we're coming towards the the end now so um what would be your your take-home messages for our listeners please well, I think, um, you know, for me, when I look back and I've reflected on 24 years of military service and beyond, I've realized that all of these things that I've just been talking about, like, they weren't always easy, right? They were hard in many situations, whether it was going off to basic training for the first time, whether it was walking into my fighter squadron on day one, knowing I would be the only female, whether it was dropping my husband off for a deployment, knowing I was going to be the mom at home or taking command of leading a new team. Like in each of these situations, there was some sense of doubt and fear and worry about what was to come. Mm. And it really is all about what you do in those moments. It is, mm. I think to me, perfectly natural and normal to feel fear and worry yeah. and stress when you're faced with difficult situations. Yeah. But it's the next step, you know, can you take that next step and continue on? Can you take action in the face of fear? Can you still overcome and do these things even when you're afraid? And, and that's what I've realized that these things take courage, right? Yeah. It's not just life or death courage. It is courage about doing things like getting outside your comfort zone, right? Mm. It is pushing yourself to try something new. It is connecting with people on a human level and being that mm. vulnerable, humble leader, all of those things take courage. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really what it comes down to. If I could summarize it in three words, it would be lead with courage, which yeah. as you know, having read the book is, is really each chapter centers around this idea of how do we lead with courage? What are those yeah. things that we can do? Yeah. Because I think a lot of times as leaders, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We, yeah. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get it right. And the reality is we can face doubts. We can face fear. We can face uncertainty. It's that fear of not meeting expectations, fear of not mm. meeting good enough, you know, fear of change, fear of the unknown. It is all of those things. And it is all about what we do when we are scared that truly matters the most. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate that. Um, okay, so obviously... Um, your your book was uh released i think it was 16th of march something like that or March 8th. when it was 
March okay. 8th. It was International yeah. Women's Day. <laughs> okay, amazing, amazing. Amazon need to change that date then. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, presumably, you know, kind of two, uh, you know, just just over two months uh, into that, you're um, you're promoting the book and so on. What 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 are you, you know, how's that how's that going? What else are you excited to be working on that you'd like to share? I'd love to, you know, kind of promote as as much of your good work as possible. Yeah, the book has been really exciting to see. I think mm. um, you never know when you write a book, you have in mind how you want it to connect with people and how mm. you want people to receive it, and you, but you never really know until it gets out there. And so now to mm. see it out in the world, um, the book has uh, more than 90 reviews on Amazon at least on the US site, I haven't, I don't actually see the other sites, but, uh, you know, very positive feedback. So that's been wonderful. The book has made its way around the world. I think it's uh, something like 12 to 15 different countries now where, Mm. where readers are at. So that that's been really exciting to see. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. And that has generated a lot of interest in terms of uh, speaking and connecting with people. I do quite a bit of keynote speaking, which is a lot of fun because for me, it's an opportunity to really meet an organization or an audience and talk to them and connect with them and share those stories and the lessons. And, Mm. and we're, you know, it's interesting to hear how it resonates from everywhere from construction to medical to financial, really leadership is leadership. And that that's been very exciting uh, for me to see. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue to do that. I have two boys that are 10 and 14 and we're very busy with them. Uh, It's been nice now that I'm retired to be home a little bit more to spend more time with them. And so that's very much a focus for me as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, I can, I can speak to the, um, the, the British Amazon site and uh, the reviews are, they're all, extremely favorable you know um so you've got a big uh a bit of a fan base over here in the uk um which may, well, maybe <laughs> maybe surprising to you or i don't know uh <laughs> i i spent two years in the uk uh for grad school so uh it is i do feel a connection yeah. there for so your sure, mba so. you did uh, in the uk i did i did an yeah, ma yeah. Uh, in international security studies and then i did an mba yeah, uh, at imperial yeah. college yeah yeah fantastic amazing uh leadership school there um that's that is wonderful so um if if any of the listeners would like to reach out to you and i hope they do you know for kind of you know keynote speaking opportunities and and uh, and other things what's the the best way for them to do so yeah absolutely and i would love for listeners to reach out especially if uh, there are things that we didn't cover or questions that you have um probably the easiest way is via my website uh because that has uh, all the the links to my different social media and email and my website is www.kim-kc-campbell.com uh, there's a lot of kim campbells out there so the uh, <laughs> kc usually helps uh, distinguish yeah. uh, also on linkedin it's kim kc campbell as well on there but i would love for people to reach out and connect um and, and let me know that you listened and and what other questions that you have uh, i'm happy to do that Fantastic. I will make sure those um, are in the show notes for sure. Um, and yeah, we're practically at the end, sadly. Um, so I just wondered, do you have any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners before we go? I think, you know, I think if I were to really narrow down into a, something that I think I've faced and struggled with throughout my career is this, I, this you know, the fears that we have, the the struggles that we have and sometimes the doubts that we have. And it's just a reminder that 
those things are normal. We can face challenges and struggles and fears about a new job, about a new situation in our life. And it is all about what we do in that moment. You know, can we, can we get back up again when we get knocked down? You know, can we learn from mistakes and failures that have happened along the way? You know, can we, can we take action in the face of fear and, and just remind ourselves that there are going to be struggles there, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be challenges on our path and on our journey, both in our personal and professional lives. And it is really what we do with it that matters the most. Yeah. Brilliant. Love, love that. Um, very, very profound. Fantastic wisdom. I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, well, all that remains is to thank you again so much for for coming on the show. It's uh, It's been a real honor um, to have you as a guest. Thanks for sharing all your wisdom and, and wonderful advice with us, Kim. Thank you um, to everyone for listening. Um, before I go, just want to share a brief word about a new online course that I've co-written on how to become more assertive, maintain boundaries and say no. That's recently gone on sale for 66 US dollars or 55 pounds sterling. And I'll put the link to that at the bottom of the show notes. So please check there or send me an email if you're interested. Thank you so much. So until the next episode in two weeks, all that remains now is to wish you all health, happiness and inspiring leadership. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.